you know, there's no malice. There was no bitterness on on either party. Um, you know, or well, maybe a, in the IPA. Oh, sorry, yeah, go on. What was that? There may have been some bitterness in the IPA. Go on. <laughs> With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt have been bringing you the world's best local and imported malts. Well, technically, they've been bringing them to your brewers, if you're listening here as a drinker, but don't let that get in the way of it. Your premium brewing partner is Cryer Malt, and they are proud supporters of this. And this is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and it is a pleasure, again, to welcome back to the microphone, Matt, Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Matt Kierkegaard. Where did that come from? Uh, disclaimer up front: long week um, <laughs> and halfway through a very long fortnight. It is uh, Indies, Indies leading into Indies Awards Night, leading no, leading into BrewCon and finishing with the awards. So, off the back uh, of Ecker, and off the back of Ecker, and, <laughs> and uh, I, well, I had Kingaroy Bacon Fest last weekend. Um, I was going to ask you about the Bacon Fest. So yeah, is it all it's crack, cracked up to be? Was it like it looked? Was good? it all that it was crackling up to be? Well, I was trying not to do that. <laughs> Thanks for stepping on that one. Look, can, can I say, again, it, it, it's a drum that we've been beating a little bit lately um, with, with the festivals, but out to Kingaroy, and I'd been invited out to do some beer tastings, and it was one of those things that you, you're going out as uncharted territory, and it's not a known... that there, there isn't a craft beer bar out there. I think... The Take the three- picture for us, Matt, for those, because I think most of us think of Kingaroy as um, the home of Joe Bielke peterson and, and Peanuts. Peanuts, yep. And that's about it. But is it's it's is it west of Brisbane, like of three hours northwest of Brisbane? Um, so kind of like inland of the Sunshine Coast. So due west from the Sunshine Coast. Okay. Um, and yeah, look, lovely little one of those beautiful little country towns. Um, you know, a couple of main streets. Uh, you, you've got a pub on each of the main corners. One's a Forex pub. One's a CUB pub. And now one's an Asahi pub, um, which I guess. We'll soon make it a CUB pub, um, <laughs> but not really a, a craft beer place. Population around about 12,000. There's no brewery, um, but I reckon there should be. Um, and just invited out for a major festival um, for, for, for them. Um, the Peanut Festival has gone by the wayside, and they do have a major bacon and pork processing facility there. So they got a bacon festival going. Had no idea what to expect, um, and you know, I didn't want to take really crazy out there beers up there because you're just not sure what the market's like. Uh, it's a little bit like our first year at the exhibition; just don't know how it's going to be received. So I uh, sort of organised for Stone and Wood to supply the beer for it, and it's the first event that I've been to that the Stone and Wood Lager has outsold, outsold the Pacific Ale, although. It was a close run thing, um, but yeah, very very exciting to see people interested in a great lager. Asking all of those questions that we got at the Ecker a few years ago, you know, oh, who makes this? Where's it from? What is it? Is this homebrew? Um, oh, I don't like anything too fruity. What have you got? Um, and yeah, just very very exciting to see the interest in beer. And the great thing about it for me was they were pushing this message of, you know, 80% of your bacon comes from overseas when we've got great pork producers in Australia. And I thought, well, that's the perfect message to align with 
um, you know, beer and who owns... 90%, yeah, 95% of your beer comes from overseas. Or is owned by overseas. It's made here, um, which is a big thing. But, you know, the the inefficiencies, you know, the the, the reason 80% of the bacon is imported is because other countries are a little bit more efficient or for whatever reason they're able to supply it more cheaply. And if you're going to make a conscious choice to support your industry, then there are a whole lot of other industries that you might want to uh, support that, you know... Yes, you might be able to buy things a little bit cheaper, but there is a cost to that saving. Yep, yeah, uh, exactly. And um, also, Matt, looking forward to welcoming you back down to Melbourne. I think you touch down Monday, Tuesday. I do. I get there week, Tuesday for the for, for BrewCon. And mate, just on the off the back of the Ecker, and then you've got um, Indies judging, and then we've got BrewCon, and then I'm home for a week, and I think you've got a bit of time to remind your family who you are. And then we're heading off on a bit of a jaunt uh, to North America. We are. We um, we're gonna we're gonna hit the states, hit the ground running. Uh, Great American Beer Festival. But before that, we're gonna just pop in and, and have a bit of a look around the um, the hop harvest. Portland and in the, hop in the harvest. Pacific Northwest. So, if you're in uh, Portland, Oregon, um, and you've caught up with us before, or you've uh, you know our reputation precedes us, uh, <laughs> look out for us. So uh, yeah, so it's, it's by the time we get to the middle of October, we're going to be shells, husks. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, yes, but I will be down in Melbourne this week. Very excited to be taking the uh, Brews News Live studio down to BrewCon and recording all of the best uh, chats uh, from BrewCon. So very, very excited. Very excited to be the uh, official media partner to BrewCon 2019. Yeah, and uh, and well done on that. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, as I say, we're going to come hot off the back of the uh, the Indies. Judging, which takes place uh, Sunday, Monday. Happy Father's Day to all the, <laughs> to all the judges. I'm not sure because I, now I know you know. Well, not um, all the judges, just some of the judges. No, that's right. No, that's, didn't I say that? Well, you said all of the judges, and you know, not all judges are, 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 um, are males these days, or indeed fathers. <laughs> all right, and on that note, um, <laughs> well, yeah, so we, that'll be really, we would get really interesting about it, and possibly I'm going to give, give a couple of shout outs because. Uh, with some really great thanks to, I think, possibly some some new listeners and some who, who know of us, but uh, Dave Nolan and his partner, Benner, uh, to, there's a guy called Shane, who I think is from the Craft Beer Crew, CBC, and, um, and Charlie, who works at uh, Three Ravens, who gave up their time and very graciously volunteered for a couple of very long days um, down at uh, uh, a refrigerated warehouse. <laughs> in Dandenong South to sort all of the um and look just to put it to paint a picture of it Matt um the integrity of the of the awards obviously centers around the the respect for the beer uh all the beer is delivered cool it's uh, chilled it's all then stored chilled we move it into um a sort of a subsection of of the warehouse outside a, a special quarantine area and pallet by pallet, we basically do it, sort it sort it out into style or um, you know sessions or whatever it might be. Then uh, pallet wrap them and straight back into the into the cool room again. Then they go into cool refrigerated trucks out to uh, Moody Valley Racecourse where the the judging will take place. So the beers really are looked after uh, the whole way, giving every beer its best possible chance of um, of meddling. And uh, speaking but of I just quarantine area, uh, when we get to the news, there was one beer that didn't make it out of the quarantine area, I understand, Pete. Well, it did make it out of the quarantine area, but then uh, the call, the, you know, you know, it was like the um, the warden standing by the phone <laughs> at, the, uh, at the, <laughs> the execution, and the phone didn't ring. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
Uh, but we'll come. Call, we'll come to that in news. We'll, we'll just tease. While we're doing shout outs, I just wanted to. Um, while speaking of Kingaroy, I should give two shout outs. One to Ben Chuck Stewart and the other to Tom Easto. Um, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, both of whom heard that I was going to be out there on, on the last podcast and reached out and said good day and stopped by and had a couple of beers with um with them. So we do have listeners and they are very enthusiastic craft beer people who uh, both of whom have, you know, visions of getting some sort of craft beer community going and maybe even a venue um, or a brewery going out there. So um shout out to, to both of those blokes and uh Tom, I haven't tried your beers yet, but I will be doing that. He had some home brews that he gave me. Oh nice. And I think too, like just on that, before we jump into the news headlines, um, I think the the reach of social media and the uh, you know the apparently the the World Wide Web is is worldwide now. Um, there's a lot more, even if you don't you know you don't have access to to the beers or whatever, you have access to the information about them. So I think it's you know it, it, do you think it's easier now than it would have been ten or fifteen years ago to set up a a card table and a marquee and a jockey box um, at a regional festival. And have the same like lack of resistance to to perhaps trying something new and unusual because perhaps they've they've heard about it or they, they at least know about oh there's there, there are lots lots of independent brewer, uh, breweries in Australia now. I, I think it's like anything. A lot takes place on social media that unless it's in your orbit, it just doesn't penetrate your your your, your information bubble. So, um, but but I think you know Kingroy is only three hours from Brisbane, and everyone there comes down and visits. Um, you know, Brisbane or they, you know, they, they visit the major metropolitan centres that probably do have a little bit and they are seeing, so they're aware of it, whether or not they see it from social media. But, you know, it's just nice to see the footprint is spreading and the awareness is spreading and, uh, you know, um, fields are being uh, tilled outside of the, uh, you know, the, the, I'm going to mix metaphors here, but you know what I mean. Yeah, the rising tide floats all boats. Anyway. <laughs> Except it's a drought out there. Into the news headlines, and uh, before we yeah. get to the news headlines, oh, but before that, uh, yeah, yeah, so before, so if you're running, everyone's um, sitting there tapping their watch, going, "Come on, um, give me the headlines." Well, just to follow up from last week, um, and it does feed into our first news headline um, that we've teased already. Um, but last week we had a bit of a chat because the news had only just broken about the Green Beacon sale. Um, and we talked a little bit about it, and I did preface it by saying, you know, nothing that I say reflects on the sale, but it was just some general musing. And they got a very nice email from Adrian, who uh, go back and listen to my chat with Adrian. Um, and he just sort of said, interesting chat between you and uh, Pete last night. Not a complaint, but certainly a couple of points worth clarifying. And I have had a chat with Adrian. There's absolutely no um, you know, complaint, but he just did want to bring a few things. Because um, I did talk about the IBA seal um, being on, on their cans. And I was only aware of it being on some of them because there was a lot of discussion when at one stage they dropped them, um, they, they dropped it or it seemed to have come off and everyone was saying that... Well, people got the impression that yeah, they had removed it. Specifically. Yeah. And, and, and put two and two together and came up with five. Yeah. And as uh, Adrian says, we've never had the IBA seal on our printed cans, core range. In fact, I believe we only ever had it on one, maybe two special release shrink wrapped cans. Um, mostly- Who did the shrink wraps? I actually think it was Rattling's labels uh, and stickers. And that is a great way because I'll, I'll go on mostly to investigate it and uh, mostly to investigate fit 
and practicality of placement, specifically given the upcoming requirement to include information for CDS programs in December. Even so, I think the release was late this year, early this year, so we have no stock to run through. The talk of us removing the IBA seal was a genuine rumour mongering and people joining dots that simply didn't exist. But yes, Prof, if you if if you are a brewer and you're looking at, maybe you've got core range stock that you want to run through, but you are looking at how things like the pregnancy label and the CDS information and the independent seal will fit on your can without committing to a run of uh, the, the, the the millions of cans that you need, the years yeah. worth of cans you need to uh, to get pre-printed. Maybe you could call Randling's uh, labels packaging and stickers. Um, and what would be the number you would call if you wanted to have a bit of a trial run with your packaging? Matt, off the top of my head, it would be one... One three hundred eight five two two three five. It would be Pete. So that's rallying's labels and stickers. And uh, excellently done. Yeah, <laughs> seamless. Seamless. But uh, yes. So, but yes. Um, so the other thing is um, explanatory note. Operational independence is a different inherent system to parent integration. By this. I mean, we'll be operating separate bank accounts, separate enterprise uh, resource uh, planning module, separate accounting software, separate stock management systems and logistics planning. So essentially, um, it's 100% share sale acquisition, but Green Beacon remains uh, the operational entity and so all of its contractual agreements with the customer, suppliers and partners will apply. It's simply an operational impossibility for many of the concern scenarios that we discussed to actually take place. Um, So... Yeah, um, without reading out the the whole email, um, we discussed, you know, what the projected, what possible scenarios were, because as is always the case when you sit down with the founder at the time of the sale, they always say, look, we've sold, all of the details of that sale are in this black box, I can't show you what's in the black box, I can tell you what's in the black box, and when they describe what's in the black box um, of corporate confidentiality, it all sounds the same. Um, and so we were just prognosticating about some of the things that, w- that we projected. Adrian says that you know they, it was very, very important to them that they kept operational independence um, and that you know it was one of the reasons that there was such long delays and that they really did uh, hammer it out. And yeah, we, we, I guess we really have to, um, knowing those guys, knowing how passionate they are and also the way that they've always done things, that they will continue that what they say is true and they will continue um, independently. The other thing that I, I think is worth noting is that the big brewers have learned how badly, and cover your children's ears if there are children listening to this, which they probably shouldn't, it's a beer podcast, um, that the big brewers have realised how badly they fucked up breweries in the past um, when they've acquired them. Matilda Bay springs to mind. And they've learned. And, and, and they've learned that the reason that they're buying them is for the... Um, you know, the creativity of the, the founders and they don't want to curb that. And I guess if yep. you look at, um, you know, Asahi's purchase of Mountain Goat and Coca-Cola's purchase of uh, Feral, Feral. Um, we, we're still seeing two breweries that are smashing it out of the park in terms of their, their beers. They are getting a wider footprint. They're getting a bit of distribution um, assistance or those sorts of things. But... Um, they're, they're still making some really, really good beers. And so that all augurs well for Green Beacon. Indeed it does. Um, the one thing that perhaps a bit of a downer for uh, for Green Beacon is our first headline story, Matt. And it's um, by way, I guess, of a bit of an update. And I don't want to encourage Joe to go and find update <laughs> and put uh, out a sound effect because it'll, you know, completely start. I was glad because I was reading the comments and I'm thinking, 
I don't remember any lags or did I did I not off? Because I often do when you go into <laughs> when you're on the soapbox. I am known to you know Joe's got to go. Oh, I've got to cut out that snoring noise. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't remember. I didn't recall any. So it was good to hear that. Yeah, there was a, a technical glitch. Um, and well done, Joe, for the uh, the mea culpa. You know, put a hand up. Said, "Yep, no, nah, I'll I'll stuff that one up. Let me fix it." And uh, I didn't get to listen to the um, the original. I didn't hear it until it uh, until it came out uh, repaired. But anyway, uh, Green Beacon ineligible, Matt, for the Indies. As the Australian craft industry prepares to celebrate independent beer in Melbourne next week with the Indies, Green Beacon is already facing the consequences of its decision to sell the business to Asahi. The Brisbane-based brewery had entered the Independent Brewers Association's Indies Awards to be judged this weekend and sent the beers for judging. However, the beers will be returned to the brewery unjudged. Yeah, look, this was just one I thought that it was worth um, checking out um, and spoke to, to Adrian. He confirmed that they had been notified that they weren't eligible um, and, you know, was, was very good about it. Um, you know, wish them well. I hope they have a cracking night. They've still got a team of six going to Brucon. Um, and, and we should point out just on that, Matt, that you don't have to be an independent brewer to attend the Brucon. Brewers Conference. Um, there are discounted tickets for IBA members, but anyone's welcome to, you know, like a member of the public could come along if they wanted to, or uh, a member of, you know, one of the big houses. Yep, exactly. Yep. Um, I contacted Marty Keedles from Beer Insider um, because Green Beacon have been a mainstay of, see what I did there, have been a mainstay yeah. of uh, Beer Insider. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just interesting. And I think perfectly um, illustrates the difference in... The, the, the reasoning. Marty said that Green Beacon is still eligible um, to, to be part of it. You know, they've been a big part of it so far. It, it's respect for the founders um, to, to be at the festival this year. Um, whereas the Indies, I, I look, there, there was a whole lot of discussion and I think some of it was a little bit um, divided down party lines. Um, you know, you, you, people getting angry or people just sort of going, oh, what, what's, what, what's the point? But the Australian... The, the, the Indies Beer Awards are for independent brewers. Green Beacon, without any judgment at all, is no longer independent, just matter of fact. Um, yeah, it has nothing to do with the beers at the time it's were got, brewed by an independent brewery, but they're being judged as a non-independent brewery, end of story. Absolutely. And it, and it's, and it's, that, that's what the, the awards are there for. It's, you, know, you can't taste the independence, so independence doesn't influence... Um, the you know judging it's it's done blind you, you won't be able to taste the difference or anything like that it's not a comment about the beers it is just what the independent brewers association and its awards um is for and you know there's no malice there was no bitterness on on either party um you know as, well maybe as a, in the ipa oh sorry you're gone what was that there may have been some bitterness in the ipa go on <laughs> I thought you said the IBA. I thought, you know, what, did, did I miss a scoop that yesterday? Was there, <laughs> was, was there some uh, sort of you know, burning of uh, Green Beacon packaging? Dear, dear Matt and Pete, did something go on? There were some lags between Pete's jokes and Matt getting them. <laughs> well, IPA and IBA, when it comes across Skype. Fair enough. Can be. Um, anyway. So, yeah. Anyway, good luck to Green Beacon. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's you know, both of those decisions were you know, perfectly aligned to what those various um, bodies' objectives are. Yeah. And, and 
I guess around what you and I were discussing in recent times on more on a, a parenthood rather than a you know a, a beer educator or beer ambassador uh, level, that um, rules are only rules if there are um, if they're applied if and that there are consequences. If there's no consequence. There's no rule. It, it's not a rule. Yeah, exactly. So uh, uh, well done. Look, yeah, it's it's a shame that that those beers won't have a chance to um, to be to be judged and that Green Beacon won't be able to. Try to you know uh, reclaim or um, go back to back or back to back to back. Yeah. So I think they were champion large brewery at the they were champion and champion medium brewery medium, at the medium at the Indies um, uh, in 2016 yeah. and have been champion small and then medium um, brewery at the ARBA's 17, yeah, 18, 19. Yeah. But we move on um, and moving on. But staying with independent, Independent Brands Australia becomes a signatory to uh, alcohol marketing regulator. What do you think of this one, Matt? Um, yeah, look, just I, I thought I'd throw this in because we do do um, you know, a lot on ABAC um, and and talk about it. And one of the things that always comes up um, when small breweries who aren't signatories have a complaint made against them, and ABAC says, "Well, they're not a signatory; we've got no power." And the you know it, it's then up to the small brewery to sort of say, "Look, I'm going to adhere to ABAC's ruling," or you know, thumb their nose at at, at the code. Um, if you're not in Dan Murphy's and you're not in um, Coles Liquor, then ultimately ABAC has no control over small brewery marketing. With independent brands, and that includes um, the Bottle O, IGA Liquor, the Thirsty Camel and Celebrations, which are some um, of the smaller independent uh, retailers that are uh, certainly around southeast Queensland, I presume in um, Melbourne, yeah, right across, and it's like a franchise model, I think. Like you, you buy a, it, it it it's a banner brand, yeah. So I like have a, a feeling hotel. it's part of um, Metcash. Yeah, and, and in Queensland, like if that. I've got a um, a hotel, I've got an entitlement to three bottle shops, so I can have three bottle shops within five kilometres of my uh, hotel, um, and rather than just having beer mats bottle shop, I can brand it, um, you know, with uh, IGA or celebrations. Um, and then get the buying power that comes with that, and then also the marketing and be part of a catalogue and you, you share um, those bigger marketing expenses. So, so you're, you're independent, but you're still not sitting out on, the, on, on, on your Pat Malone. Yep, there we go. Uh, but yeah, um, so, so it's a, it, it, the, the implications are that any small brewery who is ranged by some of these independent ones, even if they're not by the, 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 the big corporate ones will now be caught by the the ABAC code um so it's it's almost a de facto signing up of a lot of independent brands that do go into independent bottle shops for our listeners and our independent brewers who might be listening they if they're not signatories to the code themselves they they can't may, be arranged if, if, if they can't be arranged in yeah they can't be they, well yeah they, they won't be arranged by um yeah, if you have a blank brand that just says, you know, uh, ABC Brewery Pale Ale, you're fine. But if there's anything that might contravene, then yep. now Celebrations, Bottle O, IGA Liquor, Thirsty Camel can say uh, that one we think might infringe the code, so we we won't we can't range that one. Yep. Is that how it works? Exactly. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Cool. Uh, Lion Microbrewery uh, scaled back after Townsville objections. So this is a bit of a, a follow up as well, Matt. We spoke about a new. And it's 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 a little bit different, isn't it? Because it's not like the Thirsty Squire or the Charming Squire or whatever. It's a, a, the Townsville 
uh, malt shovel microbrewery project um, in Townsville, but it's called it was called something different, isn't it? Uh, it's called Tiny Mountain, which is named Tiny after Mountain. I That's can't think the name of Castle Hill. I think it it it, it is, and it's a like it's a it's like a colloquial name for a local landmark. Yeah, because it's not quite a mountain because it doesn't re- a mountain has to be a certain height. Um, I remember when I was a kid, there was a you know one of those current affairs battler stories. I think from you know, some bloke wheeling. Um, rocks in a wheelbarrow to the top of it to try and sort of add the 15 <laughs> metres of height that it needed to be officially designated a mountain. So it's yeah, I, nowadays I, you could just the, the Telstra will just put up a, a phone tower. Yeah, <laughs> boom, <Bump>, mountain. <laughs> so um, I'm surprised Dick Smith back in the day of his practical jokes didn't sort of lift a um, a with his uh, helicopter. Yeah, drop yeah, something. Yeah, like a um, a plinth, fiberglass or a dome. To, to sort of take it over. <laughs> now, there's there's something that we can do. There's a, maybe we can sort of uh, work with Lion for our uh, April Fool's Day game branding. Next year. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, um, just give it away now. So, um, so yeah, th- so th- the original the plans um, that they were going to make two hundred thousand liters a year, and the Townsville Brewery objected um, because they said that potentially the brewery could produce more. Yeah, um, they looked at the plans and said, well. They, they've built something that can actually produce a lot more than they're required to, and so they objected. Now, of course, this is a brewery protecting its patch, and you know there's a whole lot of stuff about it, but in, in, in the end, um, Lion has agreed, to, and they'll only make 200,000 litres there a year. And, I mean, let, let, let's face it, as we've, we've said before, these brands, Lion doesn't have an interest in building a three or four million litre production brewery in Townsville. Um, they want to have a small local footprint that gets um, the, the, the the locals loving the brand and engage you know, a la Umundi, um, where we visited. Yep. Hello, yep. Christine. Um, and then they've got excess capacity right throughout the rest of their network where once these brands uh, scale out, out of the 200,000 litres, then, you know, what say they do Townsville Lager. Um, it, it becomes... Red hot, really in popular. Townsville. Yeah. It'll be made at Malt Shovel or Little Creatures Geelong, um, sent up, and then Tiny Mountain will focus on some seasonals and things like that that provide people who go in with a reason to, to keep going back. Um, and, and and that's the model. And uh, look, good good luck to them. It works. You know, your Monday is certainly kicking goals. We had your Monday on at uh, Craft Beer Alley at, at, at the Ecker. Um, had great brand recognition. People loved it. Um, people recognised it. Um, a lot of people asking too. Oh, now is it you know is it is it is it actually from your Monday? Like yeah. is it made at your Monday? And so there was that whole thing of yeah, it used to be a, a brewery in the Imperial Hotel. Then it was, you know, bought by Lion and they just took the brand away and closed the brewery. But people were, were quite thrilled to hear that there is actually a brewery there and they can go and visit and, it. Yeah, and, and, you know, you're, you're honest. You know, this particular beer is now made at um, James Corrin City. Fantastic beer, fantastic brewers, very, very passionate. There is a brewery up there. You can go visit. You can try their, you know, local seasonals um, and, and telling the the, the the full story. And if people care, they care. If they don't, they'll just drink the beer. Yep. Good luck to them. Uh, interesting too that you know a crowd brings a crowd. So uh, competition, rather than being competition, it might give more people a reason to visit Townsville because oh, and this day we can go and visit this brewery, and then we'll visit Townsville Brewery tomorrow. So it might even open it up for you know uh, 
um, more cafes, more pubs, more, you know, maybe bottle shops or, you know, little boutique bars that can, can serve beers. And it does put and, pressure on them, to on, on the Townsville Brewery to, you know, up its game. And, you know, mate, I've been to Townsville yeah. a couple of times in the last few years. And first of all, it's really nice that they've always had a brewery. Um, the, the, the beers, for the most part, have been pretty good. Um, you know, the, the ones I've had, I don't think I've had any, uh, you know, sort of stinkers. They've all been known what they say on the label. Um, but, you know, the, the venue itself has been what I would describe as that, you know, regional uh, tavern-style feel um, with nothing, you know, nothing earth-shattering on, you know, nothing to go there apart from the fact that it's a brewery over any other venue in Townsville. Um, and Townsville yeah. has a couple of really cool little beer bars now. Um, that, that I would much rather go to than the brewery, except you go to the brewery because it's got the brewery. And having the competition from uh, Lion, and if they've got the team behind Little Creatures doing the hospitality for this venue, they're really going to up the ante. And it, it, it will put some good competitive pressure on uh, Townsville Brewery, um, who will have to lift, lift its game if they're going to survive. Yeah, uh, our next story, Matt, we um, uh, here at Good Brews Week uh, would like to uh, welcome uh, our latest guest, and we say hola to Mahu, which <laughs> I guess uh, the fact that they've just acquired Founders Brewing will put them on the map well and truly and won't be the last time that we, we speak about them. Not even in the top 10 in, as far as, I guess, global beer brands, but um, they've just gone from a 30% stake in um, the the iconic uh, US brewery founders to a 90% stake. Yeah, and so the, the, the story is um, Mahu's bought, they, they had a 30% stake from about 2014. They've now increased that to 90%. They've also got a, um, they had a 30% stake in Avery Brewing um, in Boulder, Colorado, um, and they've taken that recently uh, in april this year to 70 percent what does that mean to australia probably not much but it is just interesting to see you know in the wake of asahi cub um you know uh some of the brands that were sold off by ab inbev after their acquisition of sab miller um that asahi picked up asahi's become a much larger player in the international scheme of things i had a quick look to see if i could find a list of the biggest brands and Asahi is now, it was in 2017, 60.6, but I made uh, 60.6 uh, million hectolitres, um, and they were one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh. I believe that with the purchase of um, Peroni uh, and Pilsner Raquel, uh, meantime, and now CUB, they've jumped um, into even... I think the, they're third, aren't they? Third. After yeah. AB and Bev and Heineken. Um, and I think we will start to see some of these regional, you know, major regionals start to make strategic acquisitions uh, to broaden their markets, particularly, you know, the, the reason that Japan is very active is that the Japan market is um, declining. Um, Stalling, yep. At home. There's, there's no real room for expansion. Australia is a hugely profitable market and our population is growing was one of the arguments that I'd seen, even though consumption is declining as well. It's profitable and, and, and growing and uh, that does give a footprint to 
for someone like Kieran to take a brand like uh, Little Creatures International. So, yeah, I just threw that in uh, to the story mix because we are. I, I wonder how many more we're going to see, and I particularly wonder whether Heineken, um, you know, will which is number two, and by a long chalk behind AB InBev, I believe, start to make some acquisitions itself. Um, it, it's got a few acquisitions. You know, it's got a few interests in Singapore and New Zealand, for example. But are we going to start to see them start to increase their footprint with potentially becoming more in control of their own destiny in, in, in the South Pacific rather than li- relying on Lime? Yeah. Speaking of acquisitions, Matt, apparently uh, millennials are shunning beer because they think they might acquire a beer gut. Another, yeah, just something I shared on the Facebook page last week, which had a really interesting discussion. Um, I was tied up. I I couldn't actually participate in it because I I threw it online and then went off to the Kingroy uh, Beer Fest. But um, it was just one of those stories. Jeez, you're taken over already. (laughs) Millennials are cutting back on alcohol and beer uh, is being hit the hardest. According to whoever BAML's survey, the number one reason millennials say that they are ditching beer is due to nutritional concerns linked to the carb-heavy beverage. Now, the, the, the reason I shared that, and there was a little bit of um, squirrel spotting in, in, in the discussion where, you know, as these discussions tend to, to, to morph out a little bit, but it's something that I've been banging on about, you know, for probably my whole um, writing career in that... If you've got one element of the, you know, if you've got brewers saying, if you're worried about beer making you fat, here, we've got this beer for you. We've got the solution. Yeah. To um, a problem like that beer. doesn't actually exist, but we've now made you think it exists. Well, there was always the perception, you know, because you had the beer gut. Now, the, 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 the beer gut was, you know, really more effectively called. It was a know, food gut. A calorie dense <laughs> diet gut um, and it was attributed to a time you know in in the 70s and 80s when if you had one beer you had eight Um, and it was one of the things that um, contributed to it but when Han Super Dry I think it was um, launched they actually had uh, you know those ads that they put in gyms um, and it was the I think the banner headline was she hates your guts Um, and then the TV and it might have even been one of the early online ads. It was a really close look in of what looked like breasts, and it ended up as you came out, it ended up being man boobs. Yeah. Um, and the whole thing was saying beer will make you, you know, beer will make you fat, except for our special product. And it's just always seemed to me that if you're going to say, you know, the, just the logical consequences, if you've got a perception that you're pandering to then you're actually confirming that perception and for a very small period of which low-carb beers are a growing trend, you are strip-mining the whole category and, as I like to say, taking a dump in the pool. And eventually that spreads out. And now we're seeing blowback from that where millennials are convinced that they're they're drinking less already. Sorry. (laughs) Second it. Oh, dump in the pool and then a blowback, and everyone's everyone's <laughs> just running around out there now, or sitting eating their lunch, going, "Oh, come on, guys!" No, they're exercising because they enjoy good beer without fear of carbs. Because yeah, beer is exactly. Carbs and, and look, and, and to that, um, Pure Blonde did the, did exactly the same thing with their you know um, heavenly creatures kind of thing, and unicorns and yep. rainbows and waterfalls and that sort of thing. And then the big fat bloke jumps out of the truck and steps on the dove. 
which it, geez, you wouldn't be able to do that in today. Um, but yeah, it was it was subliminally saying, yeah, you know, pure blonde. It's it's different to other beer. Well, yeah, it, it it, even recently when they relaunched it, I think a year or two ago, um, you know, they, you see the beer on the marble table with the cracking in the marble table, essentially saying this will make you fat. Um, yeah, and you know. So, so anyway, so I posted this um, because it, it we I, I think we are seeing some blowback from this ten year campaign to captivate a very very small market and not take negative perceptions of beer head on. And then when we did see the uh, brewing industry try and tackle it, it was with that really really half assed um, you know beautiful beer campaign from Lion that CUB beer the beautiful truth beer the beautiful truth, um, but. When you've solidified a perception, it's very, very hard to undo it. So yeah, so I posted that, but then there were some really interesting discussions about, um, you know, about it. But to jump, lots in, of comments, lots of comments. And, and I will say, you know, the, the the article quoted millennials because millennials are a conv- It's a little bit like craft beer. It means everything yeah. and nothing depending on how you how you use it. Yeah, millennials are a rough banding of um, of uh, age group, which you know, is used to segment a, a market. It's not saying, oh, you know, fucking millennials or anything like that. It's just millennials. Um, but then there was a little bit of the the conversation that you sort of get, you know, millennials are hope terrible employees, millennials, blah, blah, blah. And Scott Long um, jumped in and said, to defend the millennials, we really shouldn't be slagging off in the inclusive community that is craft beer. Um, they're correct. And I'll agree with his, yeah, we, we, we weren't slagging off on millennials, but we were just sort of making a point that they are a, a market that is particularly aware of what they eat. Um, I don't know that I entirely agree with his logic around the, um, a, a spirit plus sugar-free mixer, vodka soda, rum diet cola, is on average 61 calories. A can of mid-strength beer, which is the same number of standard drinks, is on average almost double that at 115 cals. So over a session of 10 standard drinks, drinking vodka soda is, is going to save you a Big Mac worth of calories. Yeah, there's a couple of yeah errors in that. First of all, a, a standard drink of spirits is 27.5 mils or whatever. It's a, a gill. Uh, so 30 mils, say. Um, a beer is only 285 mils, is one standard drink. So in a, a can of mid-strength beer, you'd be getting 330 or 375 mils. Yeah, yeah, but it's just but you, you sit down and drink it by the standard drink. You don't, so you, you'll have a scotch and dry, or a beer. So that that's where he's coming at. But okay, and and yeah. he, he did quote, um, I think it was government statistics. But I think you know then just to say well over ten standard drinks, because you know millennials are tending to drink less, um, which was part of the other story, um, and that they're drinking, but they're just not drinking. Uh, beer, but you know, like the the, the 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 end result for me is educate yourself about whatever it is you're drinking because some of these flavored kombuchas that are meant to be good for your health um, because they're you know probiotic are pasteurized and full of sugar, and so they're actually not doing anything for your gut health, and they're full of sugar, and and that, that's the point I've been making. Same with um, the, the alcohol free beers, they are you are saving a few um, kilojoules overall because they don't have alcohol. But if you're concerned about carbs, which is what the brewing industry told us for 10 years that you're concerned about, Heineken Zero has 50% more carbs, but no alcohol, because you can't take the alcohol out and not have something back in there. So it, it, look, yeah. the, whole, the whole thing is a little bit fraught, but I, I did like the way that 
he was saying, look, let, let's not bash millennials because it was, and, and that post certainly wasn't bashing millennials. No, no, not at all. And just before, Matt, we jump into the mailbag, we've just got one uh, late breaking news item. Good Brews Week loses its PG rating after co-host Kierkegaard drops two F-bombs in same episode. <laughs> I don't think we've got a... We're, we're, we're talking about beer, so it should be over 18s anyway. That's true. Just going back to that whole question of independence, Pete. Um, maybe, maybe Joe can cut this back in before we move on. Maybe not. Um, going to the whole question of independence and operational independence versus you know integrated independence, you know... It, I completely understand when small breweries say that, you know, it, it gives them the ability to expand. But what can you think of any ways, Pete, that if you didn't want to sell your brewery, but you wanted to have some of the advantages of a big brewery, um, yeah, maybe some of your back of house systems, what would you do to, to get that big brewery advantage in your small independent brewery? Great question, Matt. Glad you asked it. I, I think I'd probably look towards uh, Unleashed Software. Um, because research suggests that um, business-to-business buyers demand similar buying experiences as consumers, and perhaps some of the smaller brands are now competing with the bigger brands that have been bought out, like Green Beacon. Maybe one way that they could get a competitive advantage would be to get um, the Unleashed software uh, sales package. So instead of a phone call or you know back-and-forth emails to collect wholesale orders, uh, an online store which connects with real-time inventory numbers creates a better experience all around. Oh, mate, Unleashed has a B2B store add-on just for this. So sales what? reps on the go can also get these numbers with the Unleashed You mean this product app. already exists? It, it absolutely does. And here's me thinking I just have to sell out to the big guys. <laughs> Learn how Unleashed can help you not sell your brewery and grow your brewery at the same time by going to unleashsoftware.com forward slash brew. Link in the show notes. Um, so mailbag. Don't forget to uh, give us a review on iTunes, as a couple of people have done. And Joe, our beautiful producer, uh, sent out a bit of a um, an entreaty to our listeners. We're at, we're at that stage, we're at 93 reviews on iTunes, and we were going to try to crack the 100. I think we're up to 98 that we know of now, and there might be some more, you know, while, we're, while we've been chatting. Uh, ben Chuck Stewart. I once heard it's more the snacks you eat while drinking than the beer itself, and I've got to say, it seems a lot more logical. Um, and if you're at the Bacon Festival, where Ben Chuck Stewart was, um, yeah. That would have been writ large. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I was craving some vegetables afterwards. <laughs> I've eaten nothing but vegetables since the Echo, I've got to tell you. Um, on the Facebook business page, on the Facebook business page, oh, I'll read the, um, the Big Pineapple Uh, Terry Melton says, we are very spoilt for choice up here on the coast with 17 uh, craft breweries now. That's the Sunshine Coast. That's it. All the best. I really hope there's been some reflection on why the last brewery that was located at the Big Pineapple didn't work so that these challenges, those challenges can be addressed. Is he referring to, was that, um, was McLeod's up that way? Which was the one? No, 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 no. McLeod's was up here at Mulaney. Um, Yes. So, so that was apropos. There you go. Sorry. Check check for those who are playing at home. <laughs> it might only count if I say it. Vis-a-vis our last discussion. No, I'm only going to use little words now, you pricks. Um, All right, go on. Oh, talking about our PG rating. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the big pineapple, uh, there was a story that there's going to be a brewery and distillery as part of the new development at the big pineapple. Gold um, Coast or Sunshine Coast? Whereabouts is it exactly? Uh, Nambour. Oh, on, okay. On the road into Nambour, yeah. So just in from the Sunshine Coast. Hinterland, I think you would almost call it. Got it. Um, but yeah, so I, from memory, it was, there was a startup that was going to be called Brew Bakers and it was, I, I believe the brewing equipment 
was tied up with Core Brewing Con- Concepts. Do you remember them way back in the dark yeah. old days of 2014, 2015? One of the early, um, you know, he was bringing casualties. In, yeah, left a lot of burned a lot of people who'd ordered breweries um, by leaving them disappointed. Um, and I believe that the brewery that was setting up there may have ordered some of his equipment, and there was a bit of a dispute between them. But the idea was that it was going to sell pie. It was a going to be a franchise model um, selling pies and uh, craft beer. And the, the, the idea... I, I remember, Just to make millennials fat. Yeah, have a beer <laughs> and have a pie with it. Well, look, that in <laughs> itself isn't a bad thing. I do remember make getting a meal at the time and not writing about it because I thought, oh, this sounds like a little bit of a... This doesn't sound terribly well thought out. Um, and, Yeah. But thank you, Terry Melton, for uh, bringing that to our – and a, a shout-out to um, Michael Conrad, who I think may have – you might have spoken to him very early days when he first started with uh, – it was Newstead, wasn't Newstead, it? Newstead, yeah. So he's got a background. He started a lot of – back when Brisbane didn't really have a restaurant culture, he started some of Brisbane's, you know, touchstone, um, you know, top-tier Dining. restaurants. Yeah, yeah. Two small rooms and uh, is, is the one that springs to mind, and I won't say any others in case I was wrong – but he uh, brought the so he was a found, co-founding director of uh, Newstead Brewery down at Newstead, um, and you know one of the things that really made Newstead stand out in the early days was their hospitality experience. Um, and again, I, I don't know, but um, and I've, I've certainly not dug a little bit deeper by speaking to uh, Michael or the founders or the other founders. Um, uh, to, to, to get it, but one of the things that really stood out as a casual observer of the the, the brew pub was how well the hospitality was executed um, for the for the consumer's point of view, and that always seemed to be something that I felt came from from Michael. So um, he, he certainly knows his things in the restaurant trade. Yeah, good luck. It'll be interesting and, to see what he does up there. Yeah. Now speaking of um, Joe calling out for people to review, uh, three who did one is Time G O one who gave us a five-star review. Thank you very much for that. Great interviews with a diverse range of guests and the weekly news You uh, keep you up to speed with the current topics that matter. Keep up the great work, Matt and Prof. Thank you very much. As we like to say, news, not noise. That's it. Uh, another five-star review on iTunes by BB2020 Distillery. Great informative podcast that keeps me up to date. All the craft beer news you could need. Even though I'm a distiller, but we all know craft beer is just a whiskey that hasn't reached its full potential. (laughs) (laughs) Nice one. Uh, Not that there's anything wrong with that. Love your work. Keep it up. Cheers, 2020. Thank you. And cheers to you, 2020. And the last one, uh, five-star review again on iTunes by David Isco. David Isco? David Isco, maybe? But it's all one word. Or Dav Disco. Dav Disco, maybe. Awesome local beer scene podcast. Great job, guys, with the details on the ever-changing Aussie beer scene. Best beer podcast out there, exclamation mark. Indeed. No less. Thank you very much for that, David Sco. David, Dav. <laughs> and I have one more crack at this. Dav Disco. There we go. Now, thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, who sponsor our um, Letter of the Week. All letters, of course, receive will receive a Brews News bottle opener and will also go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor our letter of the week. And this week, Matt, I think, well, I'd like to give it to Ben Chuck Stewart because, uh, you know, he did the whole, you know, met you IRL and had a bacon festival 
in a stone and wood tent. So I think that just ticks so many boxes. <laughs> yeah. if we well, already I'm, I'm glad you said, and we hadn't discussed that off air, so I'm glad you said that because I didn't want to look like I was biased in any way. No, 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 no. But that, that, it's just nice. It, it is good that, you know, uh, it, it's one of my favourite things is where people come up and and make themselves known as, as listeners and say, oh, look, it's really good to meet you and all that sort of thing. So that's, that, that's just nice. Absolutely. But if, but if Scott Long wants to get in touch, um, it, Scott, if you're listening, um, get in touch, and I will send. And particularly if you if you take a large T-shirt, um, I have a uh, beer T-shirt that I was given this week, um, and I would like to. Uh, oh, there we go. Okay, so so yeah, so to both Scott Long and to Ben Chuck Stewart, give us your if we haven't already if you haven't already included them, uh, give us a mailing address, please, so that we can look after you with that. Uh, Matt, on that note, I think we are away. Sorry if we've cut your run short this week or your gym session. If you're doing the boil, don't cut your boil short just to, uh, to uh, because we've, you know, don't use us as a timer. We could always put like five minutes of music on at the end or something. White noise. There's people mm. going to sleep. Yeah, who knows? Or you anyway. could just ask me a question, Pete, and I'll disappear down the uh, rabbit warren. <laughs> I could do that, but but I won't. I won't. Um, good luck to all of the. I will the... say. I will say though, harking back to the beginning of the the podcast, we are going to the the US, and um, just to tease a you know some of the things we're going to be doing, we're, we're what, making what, a special. What, what spots? What spots are on the uh, to do list, Matt? Well, that you're we're hoping to get done. We're making a special, a great cost, I might add, or in terms of flights and accommodation. We're flying to San Diego, um, so we can record a, a Bruce News Week live from uh, Sierra, not Stone Sierra Brewery Nevada, and World Gardens. From Stone Brewery and World Gardens, yes. Stay tuned, folks. I've got to reach out to some people and uh, see if we can tee up some uh, some interviews for that. But <laughs> we, 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 we might reach a whole different cook limit this week. Could, yeah, we could be cooked. Anyway, <laughs> uh, speaking of Jamie Cook, good luck to Jamie Cook and to all of the IBA with the um, conference coming up. And before that, best of luck to all the brewers who have entered beers. And it was really great to see a lot of uh, names that were not familiar to me. Some of the cool kids who were, who were there, who I mentioned before, were helping us out, uh, were aware of, of, of some of the, the newer breweries, particularly some of the regional ones. We got you know, some out of um, the Hunter, um, some from Victoria, uh, all over the place. Lots of new breweries who um, have maybe, you know, not been brewing that long, but have decided, you know, that their beers are good enough to, to be judged by, by their peers and, to, uh, and judged against... Uh, you know, the industry standards, which, uh, as we keep saying, Matt, just keep rising um, with every year. So good luck to everyone who, who has beers in it. Remember, there, in any award system, there are always good beers that will miss out on a trophy because only one can win the trophy. Um, but, uh, you know, a, a dud beer will never get up and, and, and win a trophy. So it's it's not unfair. It's just it's just the roll of the dice. So good luck to all the, all the breweries who have beers entered in the um in the indies and good luck to you all and we'll see you all again next week thanks very much matt thank you pete as always look forward to seeing you irl next week thanks very much punters get out there on the booze this week responsibly and we'll see you all again next week and we're out
Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. 